Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. How? What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuck, Adelics? This is WTF. I am Mark Marin. How is everybody doing? I'm, I'm doing quite well. Everything is... Well, you know, not really. Uh, God. All right, look, I'm going to give you some information today about an issue. I'm going to talk about the garage a bit. I cleaned the garage. I, what am I, giving you an index? Kevin Christie is here. He's a very talented man, very funny man. He's a good actor. He's an incredible graphic artist and painter. Just, I mean, you know, all around, and he's got a good story. So, you know, but that doesn't mean you fast forward from here. That means we hang out for a minute. Okay, I got things I want to talk about. I'm going to be in Phoenix at Stand Up Live this Thursday for one show only. Uh, I'd appreciate it if you're in the area. Well, you know, look, I'd appreciate it. Come down if you want to see me, all right? I mean, what else can I say? I'm going to tell you about patent trolls in a minute, too. This is important, all right? There, there's a real threat to what I do, to what podcasters do, to what you enjoy having, uh, however you listen to it. There's a real threat by predatory douchebags who who add nothing to the world, who are now shaking down people like myself, people like uh, Ari Shafir, like Sam Cedar. They're suing Adam Carolla. I mean, it is, and it, and people can't believe it when they hear it. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna tell you more about that in a second. Look, I cleaned the garage. I mean, I cleaned it good. I got rid of about 500 books. You know, my show, because of what's going on, uh, well, it's been like this for a while. You know, people send, not not listeners, but publicists and and uh, publishers and stuff, uh, and I get a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of music. I get a lot of stuff being sent to the show, and it stacks up, and I can't throw away anything. So what I've done, I haven't thrown away most of the new stuff, but I've rotated out all the books that I got during my Air America time because I got to be honest with you, the... Uh, the 90 books about uh, George Bush are not as relevant right now, and I, I don't really need that. There's a bunch of political books that I just unloaded. I was doing more political talk uh, back in the day, and I chose to move away from that because it was draining, and I, I felt sort of used. But anyway, so I cleaned out the garage. It was getting dusty and disgusting. I, I did realize that it's really not my garage. Apparently, it belongs to spiders. I found more, and don't tell anybody who's coming on the show about this. I found more spider eggs and spider weirdness and bug weirdness. But I literally had not vacuumed or dusted or done anything for years. So my hands were covered with blackness you know, from, uh, from dust, and I got all of it out, and it's immaculate. And now I'm, I'm in a CD rabbit hole because I got these two giant boxes of CDs. I feel like I have to load them back in to, uh, to my iTunes. I never loaded some of these because some of these are all new. And now, like, I'm doing that. Do I, how, how long am I going to live? How much music am I going to really listen to? Is it that essential that I have every one of these CDs that I received one way or the other in my iTunes? I can't, I'm not even gonna, I don't even think I have enough life in me to listen to everything I have on my iTunes the way it is. If I just sat down and did it straight, I wouldn't make it. I wouldn't make it. I don't have the time. So I'm kind of stuck in that. And fortunately, I did not find, uh, it's not a hoarding situation. Thank God I did not find Boomer, you know, decayed and <laughs> under a stack of records or books in here. Uh, I, I was fortunate to, to not have that horrible thing happen. I miss the guy. Me and you know, Jessica was crying the other day, just thinking about him. He, he, she can't go out on the deck anymore. It's, 
But I did get this encouraging uh, email. Important boomer news. Hi. So my housemate got a kitten, and while searching for a name, I suggested boomer. I later discovered the kitten is, in fact, boomer reincarnated. Don't worry about how I know this. It's not important. Anyway, boomer seems happy, although if I'm listening to the podcast, I sometimes get this fucking look, dot, dot, dot. Just thought you should know, Jeff. Thank you. I'm glad Boomer is reincarnated. I, I I am still holding on to hope that Boomer will one day appear on my deck, either as an angel cat or as Boomer himself. Uh, but uh, but I appreciate that. It's a very thoughtful letter. Now, look, let me explain to you what's happening before we uh, get to Kevin Christie. This patent troll called Personal Audio claims to own a patent that covers distributing episodes via the internet. All right, he claims this guy and his uh, and his company personal audio which is really just a a sham storefront in texas where they have lenient patent laws in terms of uh getting patents he he claims to have the uh, software uh for podcasting he claims to have patented it so he patented a diagram in 1996 and then reconfigured the patent so it's broad enough to apply to podcasting and is now using that to sue podcasters and shake other podcasters down through threatening letters now, the people that don't think I talk about politics anymore, well, obviously, a lot of politics is unjust, but this directly relates to me, and there's something wrong with the patent system. There's something wrong with the way that we are able to defend ourselves against predators like this. There's something wrong with the legal system. They don't give a shit about grassroots uh, momentum. They don't give a shit about anything. They're, not, they're obviously not in the business of publicity. They don't, they, you know, they're not looking for people to go, well, that's a righteous business. They don't give a fuck because they've got the law on our side and a patent system that's become archaic. You know, look, patents are protected for a certain amount of time. And then after a statute of limitations runs out, they re-enter the world so people can build on them and progress can happen and technological growth can happen and creative growth can happen and businesses can move on entrepreneurially and, and otherwise, you know, creatively. It's not meant to be used like this. Where this guy knows his patent's about to run out, so now he's going to shake down guys like me, guys who work out of the garage for a licensing fee because he's got a, a patented diagram. And then I find out the guy tried to make an MP3 player years ago with his patent, but he didn't get it done. So he's a failed businessman who is now reverse engineering his diagram that he's got paperwork on. All right? He's retrofitting it onto podcasters and then demanding money from them to protect themselves against him. It's fucking horrendous. You can go to WTFpod.com and there'll be a link up there for uh, for you to take action or learn about this stuff because a lot of people just think it's crazy, but it's not crazy. It's not crazy. In 2011, patent trolls directly cost companies at least $29 billion. The damage to the economy as a whole has been estimated at close to $100 billion a year. The majority of companies targeted by patent trolls have less than $10 million in annual revenue. Way less in the case of me, Sam Cedar, Ari Shafir, Jesse Thorne, Adam Carolla. It's a big problem. And it's obviously not just about podcasting. This is the first time they've, they've fucked with us. It's app developers. It's unbelievable. People that you know, they 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 you know, people that have the like the click to upgrade functions. Company who can use scan to email technology have been targeted. Cafes and public spaces that offer free access to Wi-Fi have been targeted. It's a fucking complete legal fucking shakedown business. The EFF, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, bless their fucking hearts. 
has decided it's a smart idea for them to take on this patent and they're going to file for a re-exam. They're raising money. What we need in order to defeat this patent troll is essentially what they call prior art. Uh, The EFF needs to show that the claimed invention was not new or it was obvious. And to do this, we need to find publications from before October 2nd 1996 that disclose similar or identical ideas in other words anything that describes early versions of podcasting or any other kind of episode distribution over the internet now i know some of you cats can find this stuff and i've already put the call out to uh warrior nerds and obsessive uh techno freaks it's out there i know it's out there and we've already got a lot of good stuff but if you have anything that that could help in that area and if you want more details and, and also a, a place to send it, if you find anything, you can go to www.eff.org slash save dash podcasting. EFF.org slash save dash podcasting with some of that prior art. And that would help. Please go educate yourself about this, because if you do anything in the technology realm, if you want to start a business, these fuckers can come after you for nothing because they got a piece of paper that was legitimized by an archaic patent system and then supported by a legal system that makes it almost impossible for the guy like me or the guy like any of you who are starting a business to defend yourself. So you got nothing else you can do but but just surrender to these techno gangsters. I ain't fucking horrendous and then they're all of us are afraid you know i didn't want to talk about this you know a while ago because well what's going to happen what's going to happen these fuckers are they're 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 extortionists you know and i got two letters and then they tried to contact uh some me through uh the site email we really suggest this this is the best way to do this for you to give us money for a license they don't tell a cost and uh, honestly and i think uh, most podcasters would agree with this if at the beginning of podcasting you know we had to pay some sort of fee to get a license to podcast maybe a hundred bucks a year whatever the hell it was something reasonable so we could engage so if this guy had done that if this guy had had designed his business properly not just be a failed business guy who now is shaking down people who work out of their closets out of the garages in their car, wherever you're recording it. It's free medium. I would have paid that because I wouldn't have had a choice. It's like paying for texting on your phone. But no, this guy didn't do that because he's no visionary. He's just a, he's, he's running a racket. Personal audio. It's interesting that my tone of voice changes when I get worked up about something righteous. There's no way to spin this in a good way these patent trolls it really drives me nuts it's been hanging over me but switching gears i'm about to introduce kevin christie and i'm going to tell you guys if you're still listening that i might have some very exciting good personal news uh, next time i talk to you also thank you for enjoying the show marin it's doing very well over there on ifc and i'm glad people are are starting to get it and like it and dig it you can also still buy my book attempting normal you can get that on the audio book you can get that on the itunes audio you can get that uh Get the hardcover. You know, it's your favorite bookseller. All right, let's talk to Kevin Christie. Uh, uh, I love this guy. Drawing type is no bullshit. It is hard as hell. 
It's awful. It's, hand-drawn type is an unforgiving mistress. <laughs> is there still reason to do that? I mean, like, I mean, this was obviously your passion at some point. When, I mean, when did uh, when did you start doing this shit? What art stuff? Yeah, just I mean, like, I, I always have. I always have. Kevin Christie is in. He's a he's a hilarious comedian. He's an actor. He's an artist. He's a Renaissance man. But if I showed you his picture, you'd be like, "Oh, I think yeah, I know that guy." Yeah, right. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I might have crossed your eyeballs at some point. <laughs> but you're one of those guys, right? Yeah, a little. What's the plan, Kev? What's the... I don't know, man. What's I'm the, done. I'm done planning. Fuck it. Yeah? It's over? No, it's not over. I'm just not going to... I'm not... I'm I'm not in any way going to think I could make a plan that mm. would come to any fruition. But when did you come out here? You grew up out I here? I grew up out here. In Los Angeles. In Los Angeles. So you're like, you've been roaming these streets. I'm from Glendale, basically. La Crescenta. From the beginning. From the beginning. What is that? What is that? What happens in that? Where, like, because I understand, from what I understand, okay, so you got your Glendale thing, you got some friends, but like Hollywood's right here, and you were sort of, were you in, in a clique that, did, what'd you do in, in high school? Did you go to Hollywood? No. And hang around? No. I mean, Hollywood to me was like so far away that you didn't, I think I went there four times in the t- between being born and being like 18. Really? So it's like New York City to New Jersey. Yeah. Like I, I mean, the big thing was my friend Travis Chatham got a car. Yeah. Or he had a car and I was a busboy. So I had like a little bit of money yeah. and we were going to go to Melrose so I could try to find a graffiti magazine. That, really <laughs> yeah like which like a juxtapose or something no or? there was a magazine called can control it was like only graffiti uh-huh. this is pre-juxtapose right and so like that was like we went to melrose with cash on like a wednesday after school and, and like i got a graffiti magazine a t-shirt or something and that was a big trip in yeah i was like go to crazy melrose yeah i was like you you found you got we got some culture yeah, yeah. back with culture because you know where la crescent is pretty just homogenized suburb and what and, and so you didn't have a car no i didn't have a car he had a car? He had a car. Yeah? Yeah. And you guys didn't go drinking and driving around? And I mean, he out. did. I was never good at that stuff. What uh, the fuck did you do, Kevin? I was. A, I just was drawing, man. Yeah? That's all I was doing. Who were your guys? Ooh, comic book stuff early on. Yeah. You know, like- Who were they? Jim Lee, Stanley, obviously, mm-hmm. Todd McFarlane, guys like that. Yeah. A guy named Sam Keith I really liked. And then, and then I started looking at kind of the juxtaposed group of people- the and outsider art, the thing outsider the, art, Robert Williams, yeah. people of Coop's nature. Yeah, and then I started taking art lessons from a guy named Aaron Smith and his twin brother Owen Smith, who were painters. And then I started getting into like you know figurative painting and art, and then went to art school and got into all that. Where'd stuff. you go to art school? Art Center College of Design, Pasadena. In Pasadena, so you just were afraid of coming out of the super afraid. <laughs> not going, yeah. We're not going to go any west. And nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. What is like? What is art school? Did you find? Were there groovy girls and like were you no, all man. affected or was this like one of those kind of technical art school? The Ar- art center college design is pretty dry. Like it's pr- it was the parties there were the worst yeah. party. Like you know, no shit. It'd be four guys talking about paint. <laughs> I mean, and, we, and there'd be like a girl. I'm not kidding. Like I, I can specifically remember going to a party and talking to a guy about what Liquitex paint I liked best and how I was really into parchment color. And like even then, I was like, "This is not what these parties are for." Because there was no dorm, so there wasn't a dorm atmosphere. Commuter campus. Yeah, yeah. So like, because uh, it's up above the Rose Bowl, like tucked in a hill. Is it by that? It's part of that museum, maybe? No, is no, it, no, no. If what? you go above the Rose Bowl, there's like a, a long black rectangle, like a super modern rectangle, wedged into a mountain. That's Art Center. 
Like it's super modern, like yeah. Bauhaus style, cold as ice art school. It was just very, it was super, super serious. Yeah. And, you know, well, the thing people don't understand about art school is the hours are crazy. I mean, I didn't, I probably averaged three hours of sleep a night. Really? You get 40 to over 40 hours of homework a, a week, easy. And what, like what? what it's, do you I mean, I was an illustration major, so it's like you paint a thousand swatches or, you know, I had a, I had a class where you had to do a thousand figure drawings by the end of the semester. You do, you know, 250 hands, 250 feet. Like you just, it's a, it's a, they, you learned how to draw right by just tons of repetition. Really? So you have tons and tons and tons of work. So you just got a, a stack of hands? Yeah. And, and, and did that work? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can draw fucking balls off a hand, man. <laughs> I can draw a hand with my left hand, with my right hand. Like you just, you learn, you just learn by doing it. And you, you just have, draw, you have to draw, draw them and draw. in different poses. Yeah, a mi- yeah, hundreds of them. And what what does the repetition do? It just gives you a sense of the, the it's, figure. Of it's the... figure. You get a sense of what the hand does, and, right? What you can do with it, what it can't, where it can't go. You get it, you get a sense of when you're drawing it wrong. You start to see you're like that's not. It's this weird thing that happens when you're drawing something. And you start, you put a line somewhere and you're like, oh, that's right. You can see it going right because I think something in your brain triggers like a visual memory. So you look at what you're doing. You're like, that makes sense. And you just keep doing that. You're like, this makes sense. This makes sense. This makes sense. And so you can just sort of like, I, yeah, I could say draw a hand and you'd be like, no problem. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Did you do that with heads? Yeah. Heads? Mm-hmm. Feet? Feet. Yeah? Less feet. Yeah. Not as important. Not, not a lot of feet. And <laughs> no, a lot of people yeah. wearing shoes. Yeah. <laughs> Every time in figure drawing class, everyone just like you just everyone crap out at the feet. Everyone had flipper feet, mm-hmm. <laughs> just like get real lazy around the genitals and feet. So what was it? Really, you, you didn't do a thousand genitals. A lot of guys were like uh, you could tell were afraid to draw dicks. Really, I was not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> there, I was trying. I was telling someone the other day there was a figure model at Pasadena City College, which I went to before Art Center. Yeah, a guy named Shadow. Yeah. who was uh, probably weighed about 115 pounds and yeah. had maybe the biggest dick I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> That's why he was doing it. What, what yeah, I doing. mean, it li- arts junior college art schools are full with a lot of like older women who are just yeah. taking a figure drawing class. Yeah, yeah. And one day a woman <laughs> walked in while, Sh- she, while Shadow was staying there and she dropped her art box. <laughs> it was just, this thing was a thing of beauty. And like I told my friends about it, like my guy friends were like, no way, dude. I'm like, no, I'm not kidding you. Nine and a half soft and the circumference of a Pringles can. Oh, my and God. And so I drew it life-size one day and to brought it back. I was like, this is it. And they were just like, oh, my God. <laughs> and this dude was, he was he was rail thin. Not an owl, and, he, and he held himself up with like a, a weird ornate cane. Really? Yeah, he was so a, he, like a dancer. Uh-huh. But, but I, I, I like to think he didn't have any personality. Is that? I've never saw him speak. That is fucking beautiful. Some middle-aged woman just dropped her art. I mean, she not. had seen something she had never seen before. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a python slinked into the room. <laughs> so what was the plan? So then you, 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 do you, do you make money doing art? Yeah. You do? Mm-hmm. That's your thing. That's no. kind of your secret thing. You're a stand-up comedian, but then you do this other thing. You make posters. You I do, make posters. You do I illustrations. Just finish some skateboard designs. Skateboard designs? Yeah. You get hired to do that? Yeah. Well, the way it happened was there a friend of mine, this guy named Ed Templeton, is a pro skater and an artist, great yeah. artist, and he runs a, a company called Toy Machine, and he knows of my art stuff. And also, him and his wife, when they go on road trips like for skate demos, they read my Twitter feed, and they were like, they asked me, like, you should do a series of Toy Machine decks based on Twitter jokes. And so that's what I did. I did eight. Eight uh, skateboard decks, decks, they're called? Yeah, designs for the decks. Based on Twitter? Based on jokes, basically. Really? Yeah. Short jokes. 
And then what other, what other, where, where are the other illustrations? How does this work? I do album covers occasionally, magazines. Did you do Jonah Ray's album cover? Nope. Whose album cover did you do? I did the first Kings of Leon album cover. You did, did you get I good money theirs. for that? Is there a percentage? No, deal? that industry died. It did. Yeah. <laughs> but they're back, dude. People are sending me records every five fucking minutes. Yeah, they, but they don't pay the illustrators or the designers. They don't pay them big. They no. got to pay them you, something. They pay you something, but I mean, you make probably 10% of what illustrators were making in the 70s. Did they? Would, were illustrators cut in on a percentage? No, deal? no, no. Ever. No, but they made some good money. Who are the great? Like, did you have uh, album art designers that you're like, that's guy's a fucking genius? Uh, yeah. I mean, there was you know those like Yes covers, yeah, or, or Yeah, right? yeah, sure. Those. Um, well, with all the weird surreal Milton Glazer, Milton Glazer did you know Bob Dylan cover, and then uh, there was a guy who taught at Art Center, Phil Hayes. He did a like Eric Clapton covers. There's those guys. The '70s, which that was just like a. That was a great, great time. Yeah, to be an illustrator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those dudes made money. Like they made good money. How come you never went into comics, man? I, I didn't. That's a shitty job. <laughs> yeah, but it seems like a no-brainer. You're a funny guy. Why, why don't I, you do, do panels? You know, you honestly, do I, I didn't. I didn't. That didn't really appeal to me. Once I started looking at like what was going on in like kind of the juxtaposed world and and actual like start getting into like contemporary art, I just wanted to make art. Yeah, I wanted to like make personal work. Real art. No, not real art. But it seems to me that you could take any of your good Twitter jokes and make a panel. Just create a character that's you. Yeah, but like. then it's just me standing there. Like, I'd rather, like, the skate decks, or I'd rather, like, interpret the image into something as opposed to, like, just a panel of a guy standing there talking. So when you approach a painting, you do paintings. Yeah. You, you're like, I'm going to do a painting. Yeah. Like, I, I'm I'm fascinated with painters and, and guys who can paint because there's a, like, I know the difference between a guy who can paint and a guy who can't paint. Right. I kind of know the difference between an illustrator and a painter. Right. So when you go in to do a painting, because you're a guy that now expresses himself as a comic, as an actor, and as a painter, what's the best one? Uh, fuck. Where do you really get, like, like? because to me, a painting, it's it's like, all right, you got to know your shit once. So you got to have your shit together. You know you can paint. Yeah. So then you're sort of like, all right, I'm going to paint what? what? What do you paint? Do you set up some fruit? Do you have the guy <laughs> with the dick come over? Yeah. I mean, what is what is it that you paint? I usually start with, like, something sort of inane and then I kind of react off of it from there but as far as like what they feel very different making a painting the, the sad it's, you get a sense of satisfaction but it's very different from doing stand up or something I almost think I the reason I split and do different things is to offset some of the detrimental parts of doing each <laughs> I mean the thing about being an artist or a painter anything like that is you're you can become a cave person real quick yeah and not talk to anyone right and, and t turn into that so it's like I need to see some fucking people just be talking about paint to yourself yeah, yeah. That, it's, there's no party and there's no dudes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you and your paint yeah so Look at you I, you know there's I get something very very different from all of them I actually stopped having trying to have that conversation with myself which it, one? Like, the, which, what do you what like gonna, better? Right. Because people want to know that. It bothers them if you can do more than one thing, they get pissed. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, which one would you choose with a gun mm -hmm. to your head? I'm like, I, I'm not going to answer your fucking question. It's Sophie's choice. I'm like, it's not my fault. You can't draw. Don't be mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> Stop being mad at me. I'll give you, I'll draw you something. Oh, I need you to draw me something. Yeah, everybody does. I'll do it. <laughs> not right now. We'll figure out. You, but you don't do animation, you don't do moving things, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I can I can it's do the your concept bag. work to have them move, but I'm not going to be an in betweener. You, do, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, strap yourself to a desk and die there. That's what it is. 
I mean, to do, I mean, everyone, you know, the first drawing's real fun. And yeah. then you're like, all right, we need 1,600 to make his arm go an <laughs> inch and a half. So can you get on those other 1,600? <laughs> the moving image takes, there's a lot of frames in it. Yeah. <laughs> in those moving images. That, that, that's not your bag. No, man. So what? when did you start doing the comedy? What is? What? I started doing comedy about 10 years ago. I'd always, you know, wanted to be a comedian, but I didn't understand how. And uh, I, I'd- How old are you? How old are you now? I'm 36. So when you were 26, I was 20. Yeah, yeah. No, I was 25. So maybe 11 years ago. And uh, and you'd hit the wall. You're done drawing. What happened? No, I've never. That's the thing. I never stopped. I just I, I I can't I can't stop any of this stuff. Yeah, it's all just part of. It's all like interwoven into the basket that is Kevin. Christie. Yeah. How how did you grow up though? What what were your parents like? Were you you seem well adjusted? Yeah. No, they were uh, normal white suburban parents. Very nice people. Yeah. Sisters, yeah. brothers. Uh, stepsisters, adopted brother. Wow. Yeah. Why, so you call, you, say, you call him the adopted brother? Do you say that? I see, Yeah. <laughs> I call him the chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> What'd they end up doing? Jeff works at a medical facility testing things. My stepsisters work at Whole Foods. Really? Yeah. This is like America, man. Was, uh, I'm, you know, a lot of people, when they meet me, they go, you're from the Midwest. And I go, no. no. <laughs> so, all right. So there you go. So you're going to do comedy. I start, well, I'd, I'd been, I got like, I bought a recorder. You know, I think I'd had a recorder with me for like two years. I like just, a digital recorder? Yeah, it wasn't digital. Oh, oh, yeah, those are great. Yeah, and I'm I used to love those. Yeah, they're great. And I would just talk into it, kind of make up bits. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to be a comedian. And then I'd do a comer- I did a commercial with Bobby Lee for AMPM. So you're already going out on auditions? Yeah. I was working in commercials at that point. Already? In college, yeah. I started in college. How'd, well, how'd that come about? That just... that's actually came about because I went to an art opening at Wacko. Uh, yeah. uh, to see the Clayton brothers. Sure. And uh, for some reason, Miller Genuine Draft was making a commercial about the Clayton brothers. Yeah. And they, they had you sign a thing, and if you want to, you know, if we use you. Yeah. And then they put, they used me to stand there in the commercial, and uh, I got $4,000, which to me at the time was a million. It, yeah. I didn't have to take a semester off because I had money for supplies. So I was able to stay a semester, an extra, or not take off a semester to save up money. And then, uh, like a couple months later after that, my friend was going to a commercial audition. We were going to go somewhere. And he was like, come with me. Not like to audition, just I, come, I have to go to this Hang thing. out, yeah. And the dude, the casting director asked if I wanted to audition. Yeah. And I said, fine. And they cast us both. <laughs> and then uh, my friend's commercial agent was like, if you want to What do was that com- for? That was for 7-Up. Yeah. And then at the time, no, I looked like a very typical art school student. I weighed about 100 pounds. I had big glasses and yeah. messy hair and a tight T-shirt. And yeah. none of the actors had really caught up to that yet. So I was the so only So you were ahead kid, of the curve. You, a little, yeah. It was pre-art school look. You yeah, actually so looked before, like that. Yeah, because I was literally <laughs> in art school. So I was getting all those roles. The first probably t- 20 commercials I did, I just stood there and looked you know, edgy, I You've guess. You've done that many commercials? I've done like 65. Really? Yeah. Holy fuck. Yeah. All right, so let's go through that. All right, so you, then you go to this thing and you got the, and then you got an agent. Yeah. Because this is a realm of show business that I don't talk about. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't do them. I've had a couple experiences. They can be I, very bad. Well, I know people that do them, but this has been your fucking <clears throat> bread and butter for- Yeah, kept ten, me off the streets. But like probably pretty good, right? Yeah. Great. I'm lucky as fuck, dude. In that world, I'm I mean, I've been very lucky. Like what have you sold? I've sold everything, man. I'll say, well, you want me to sell something? I'll sell it. <laughs> but, but no, but I mean you like... The big the biggest uh, campaign I had was IBM. Really? Yeah. I sold servers. Like the big ones that like And these are mostly nationals? Yeah. 
Yeah, you made a fucking fortune in commercials. Well, that sort of died. You can't make that. I mean, I, I, I started. Told, has everything died? I yeah. mean, like, every, yes. no matter who you talk yes. to about what you're talking about, that's yeah, not the same anymore. It's no, dead. I when I start, I was like the, the, the two years after I started were like the last two years of the real money, and then it went away. Because cable, it's cheaper to put them on cable, and as many people see it, so you can get the same effect with 10% of the cost. Right. Yeah. So what, okay, so you did the 7-Up commercial, and then you got an agent, and that was that. Yeah. Man, start working. Yeah, any good ones? Not, I mean, um, not like. I mean, how do you rationalize commercials? You don't give a fuck. I don't. It's never <laughs> I mean, entered your mind. I've never. The thing that there was a great way to learn how to act because I never felt pressure. Because in my head, I was like, "Am I honestly going to bring down General Motors if I fuck <laughs> this up? Like, is Taco Bell's <laughs> going to shutter its doors because I'm a shitty actor?" So I never felt any pressure on set at all. I mean, I I, I was nervous I was going to forget lines or whatever, yeah. but I was never like, "Oh God, what's going to happen?" <laughs> I just was like, I, "These are I can't fuck this up." <laughs> So I, it was a great way to just learn how to be on a set and stand yeah, on the tape. Yeah, if you fucked up, they'd be like, "We're not, we can't use you." Yeah, you're, you did. They literally there was always a guy standing off to the side that if I fucked up enough, he looked just like me and he just walked to where I was standing and he would do it. It's happened before; it'll happen again. It has happened before. Yeah, <laughs> this is like you're not doing it. There's always like alternate, like um, we're gonna have him try to do that line, and then you're like, oh, and you don't end up in the commercial. <laughs> That's it. You're yeah, out. You're out. But have you? You've, so you never had any sort of. Uh, Fights of conscience about selling something? I mean, I have, but like at the time it was a very real means to an end. I needed to pay for art school. Art my art school was exceptionally expensive. Yeah. I was gonna have a ton of debt. And it was like and at that time I was starting to want to do gallery stuff. Yeah. And I was like, Well, I can either do illustrations for things I don't like. Right. Or I can just let them use my face, which I don't give a shit about anyways. Yeah. And that'll keep me from, I mean, doing a bad illustration hurts my heart worse than being in a commercial. Really? Yeah. Like having to draw something. Because you're drawing it. Yeah. You're, it's, it feels so bad. Like what? I mean, I have a job where I had to do an article for a magazine and it, this article was, uh, someone wrote an article about learning to alter pants in college and how that was a transformative experience because she altered her pants. And when her mom came to visit, she thought she was so weird and crazy because she'd put these multicolored patterns inside her pants. And so I'm doing a, I'm at home for eight hours or more than that, drawing a pair of jeans with like, I'm trying to figure out a metal, like, so things are exploding off the seams and I got eyeballs with teardrops that are sewing needles and I'm just like, I want to take this brush and Put it as far into my ear as I can so I hopefully die before this thing's done. For 300 bucks. <laughs> that hurts. Because <laughs> you have to finish the drawing no matter how you feel about it. Yeah. Whereas I can start phoning in on a commercial. I can work my way out of that screen time real easily if I feel bad. Yeah. yeah. Like, what do you mean? You can just start acting bad and then you're not going to make that cut. <laughs> have you ever done that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you get paid and you get out. Well, you get paid for the day. You're right. just not going to end up in the... But what, what, what would cause that kind of situation where you're like, oh, fuck this. If it's... if You know what I, I tend to really tense up? It, when when commercials try to create their own new cool phrases, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to... Let's work our way out of this one. <laughs> or if it's for food, I just smile a lot and my teeth are of a nature that they're not going to want to put that on screen. <laughs> <laughs> so you're okay with just a day? Every right? food commercial has what's called the bite and smile. Yeah, right. And you bite, you take a bite, you swallow it, and you smile. And yeah. that's where I can get out of that job real easy. <laughs> Game, your teeth. Game over. You know, they don't like your teeth? They're just not what they call all-American enough. They're, they're not attractive teeth. They're not attractive. I've heard they're distracting. Yeah. <laughs> so then, okay, so 
when did you, so when did you start getting real roles in TV and movies? Um, probably five years, maybe four years after I uh, started doing commercials. I got a, a, like a, a real manager. My friends were in this band called Eve Six, and I would hang out at their video shoots, and their manager would see me making a jerk out of myself, and was like, and he'd see me a commercial, and he was like, "You've done a commercial?" I said, "Yeah." He's like, "How many have you done?" And I said, ten. And he said, "And how long?" And I was like, eight months. And he was like, "Will you come to my office on Monday?" And then he was the greatest guy in the world, who's now not alive named Stu Sobel, and he became a manager, and he got me a theatrical agent, and I started working basically right away. And that was before comedy? Yeah. And what, well, so you met Bobby Lee? And that I met was, Bobby Lee on a commercial set. And that said, was a life changer? Basically. And yeah. I said, I want to be a comedian. Yeah. I've always, I said, I've, I want to be a comedian. He told me he was a comedian, and, I, and then I went and saw him at the store, like on a Thursday, and he, you know, killed, and I was like, this is it. Well, how long ago was that? Probably 10 years. So the same years. act that yeah. he's doing now? <laughs> How, how many jokes did you, do you remember from that act? Though? I remember a lot. I remember a lot of it. He's the selling hate, corn joke. He's going to hate me. I, I, no, he doesn't do that joke anymore. No, he doesn't. doesn't. No. But uh, in that, and it was weird. I remember distinctly being in the original room and I was like, uh-oh, I this is I belong here. Oh, yeah, oh that's that. So you were a store guy in, in your blood. Yeah. I was like, oh, fuck, why do I feel this way? I was like, oh, no. I mean, I literally was like, I want that. Like, I was watching him kill and I was like, I want that. I want to kill this room. And so then, and then I met with him like a month later or no, less than that. And I was like, I had these jokes and he, we went over me. <laughs> it's really easy. He's like, let's go over your jokes. And I think I talked for three seconds. He's like, your jokes don't matter. So come to Sunday. You're going to get three minutes Sunday and Monday. And I was like, oh, I don't know. He goes, if you don't show up, I'll never help you again. So I went and uh, he introduced me to Ari Shafir who was hosting. And that was that. So, uh, so Bill, uh, Bobby was your guy. He yeah. pushed you. He pushed you in. He really did. And Ari was there. So that's your Ari. Our Bobby and Ari were my guys because Ari was cool. About I wouldn't bug him. I would just show up to the open mics. I'd be like, I'm here, and then I would just wait. I and I never would go up to him and ask. So if there was an open spot, he put me on, and I got on a lot. So that was what ten? That was eleven years ago. Yeah. So Ari was the guy. So that was the generation because when I was there. Barris was the guy, kinda. I can't remember who used to run those open mics, but there's always one comic. Ari was the guy for a while when I first started there. He really was. But like I, that whole gen. The weird thing about the generational difference between me being there in the late '80s and whoever's there now, it's the same dynamic. There's something about the comedy store that it's insulated. Mm -hmm. It's a crew. Mm -hmm. You know, the comics, the inmates run the asylum. It's a to prison. A certain it's a prison mentality <laughs> to a certain degree. You're just trying to become the hammer. <laughs> yeah. And and at that time, like, uh, what? So was Bobby still opening for Carlos or what? Yeah, Bobby was opening for Carlos. the The group that I started where was it was like the employees were like Ari, Ren and Zizi, David Taylor, uh, Mashevitz, Steve Simone, those guys. And those were kind of like my guys. They were there before me, probably a couple years or a year or so. Yeah. But that became my group. Yeah. And Natasha Legero was just starting at the time there. Yeah. And that became like my group. And who, like, what was the, the uh, what were the stories? I mean, what was going on? Because you're, you know, you're like a guy, like, I was there for two years, not even, mm -hmm. at a different point in my life, and, you know, it became part of my soul. Yeah. But you've been there through all kinds of fucked up bullshit. <laughs> well, when I first got there, it was in a bad place. I mean, it was like, that place was falling apart. The lineups were fucking weird. Like who? I mean, it, it'd be like the guy, it'd be like half- decent and then a shit show i'm not gonna name names but, well, but but like guys from the old days you mean yeah people's name i don't even remember sure not even guys that have been headliners and so there was an open mic three days of the week that's how small the crowd was on tuesdays 
So it was just like, it was really like you could do whatever you wanted because it didn't matter. I mean, we had a night where we did each other's acts. We drew names and like did each other's act. I did James Painter's act. Yeah. Which I did better with his act than I was doing with mine by far. <laughs> That's what Joe Rogan first, I think, met me because I did a solid impression of Painter. He was like, that impression was really nice. Really yeah. good. <laughs> it was really good, dude. But who were the big guys there then? Rogan yet? Rogan and Mencia. Yeah. And uh, Freddie Soto. Oh yeah, Dice was around quite a bit. Yeah, uh, but no crowds. No crowds. I mean, I wasn't there on the weekends, but no crowds to speak of. But really. it was like a dark time. It was dark. Well, the thing was, it was free as shit. Yeah. No, you could bomb every single. No one ever said a word to you if you bombed. You, yeah. You try out personas and do a voice. I went up on stage with Ingram, and I was his hype man during one of my spots. <laughs> What's like, that mean? He just pretended to rap, and I just stood behind him and went, "Yeah." <laughs> like it was. You could do anything you wanted all the time. Who was booking the place? Who was, there was no one running Duncan. the show? Duncan Trestle? <laughs> yeah, which he was just run, putting the same lineup every week because he didn't care and pretending Mitzi was doing it. <laughs> That's what everyone seems to yeah, do. Yeah, it's like, ah, oh, Mitzi gave you the spot. He what? was one of those guys he would say that? Well, because, dude, people get it. If you're the booker, and Duncan's such a nice dude, yeah. people would get on him. He got me on the wall. I mean, like, I yeah. wouldn't be on that wall mm-hmm. if it weren't for Duncan. He's like, you shouldn't be on the wall. Yeah. yeah. I and, mean, it was that... That time at the store was really interesting. Because, it, like, she was losing her mind already, and no one was really in charge. No one was in charge. <laughs> no one was in charge. It was fucking great. <laughs> Ari was in charge, ostensibly. <laughs> uh, I mean, literally, the door guys were in charge. That's amazing. It was so great. You could do, I mean, I, it was like one of those things where, like, I would show up to the open mic and some and, and Renazizi was like, We think you've gotten a lot better, so you're gonna follow Painter tonight. Like, who made this decision? You guys? They're putting me on at whatever time they want. Just a random group of comics deciding yeah. the lineup. Yeah. Oh my god. It was so great. I mean, yeah. they're deciding the lineup on Sundays and Mondays, but it was still fantastic. Yeah. And then what happened? What when when it seems like everything's gotten organized. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know. It became, tried to become a fucking business, which I don't know. Yeah, I don't know who started. Well, I, there was a new fl- influx of guys. A lot of guys showed up that were really good. So it became like a, you know, the lineups were better. People started showing up and it kind of like, some people they decided to try to run it. So it seems like it's going all right over there. Yeah, seems like it. Right, right? I'm not there a ton, but yeah. Yeah, I don't. I hardly go at all. I mean, I'll go down on weekends occasionally now, yeah. but I don't. I can't do the during the week thing. <laughs> yeah, that fucking OR still. You know, both of those rooms still bother me. I feel as I think comfortable as you can in that room, which is still not. It's a hard room. The original makes, room's a hard room. Makes other rooms easy though. But like, you must have seen some shit. Were you around when all that shit was going down? Yeah, when, when Ari beat up Bobby and they, and and they put shit on Bobby's car. <laughs> I don't. I didn't know that one. Uh, so I think Bobby ratted somebody out, and so they about took, what? I don't know something. Bobby, you know, he tattled on somebody, and so they put shit. On Bobby's human windshield, shit? human shit on Bobby's windshield wipers, and turned them on. So when he got in the car and put the key in, smeared shit across his windshield. Uh-huh. And that was. And then Painter, I don't know Painter, James Painter. He let he quit before you, you came back. He quit comedy. Yeah, which is a shame because he was tremendous. Really? He was the guy everyone went in to watch. Really? Yeah. What happened to that guy? He, I, I asked him once, and he, or, he, or Ari asked him. He said, "I did not enjoy doing stand-up as much as other people seemed to enjoy it." Yeah. And he told me he before he quit, he started out this persona called Lettuce Patch. Which was like a carrot top parody, and it was really weird and dark and dirty and like fake blood and stuff. Uh-huh. And I was like, "You got to stop doing this." And he goes, "It's too painful to bomb as myself." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and then he just stopped. And where was he from? I think he's from Arizona. So he's like this myth now. He's <laughs> he is guy. a myth. It's weird to me that people don't know who he is at the store because he's mythical. 
Well, there's a lot of that at the store. Yeah. Where people, yeah. like, you know, these people that came and went. It's just like, you don't understand, man. <laughs> you yeah. weren't there. Yeah. So that kind of a thing. So he was there for, what, a couple years? He was there for, like, five years. Uh-huh. And then just a few, a, a, some things happened. Like, after I became a regular there, he he just started, it just got a little weird. But he was a funny guy, man. Wow, man. Yeah. Who's that other guy? What's that guy that used to come around and do, like, Carson monologues? The Bob Abravaya? Well, B- uh, William Abravaya. William Abravaya. Richard William Abravaya? Yeah. Tinfoil hat? Yeah. He's still around. He I is? I still see him, man. He, he comes to the Ding Dong Show. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> what is that about? The do- I got to talk to Don Barris. It, it, that's like- a, just, I, you know, it's. I think that's just an experiment in humanism. <laughs> it's just like, there, here's the tapestry. You think you've seen the full tapestry. You haven't. Of people. Of people. Uh-huh. It's about people. Uh-huh. You know? It's But it's, uh, it's good-hearted. You know, I, I think at first I was like, this is mean, but on a Monday- that group of people have something to do that they probably enjoy more than what the other options they'd have. Yeah. And so who's to say? Right. Don's their dad, kind of, and that's, you know, that's what it is. When I met Don, he was like sleeping in the main room, <laughs> kind of. What's no. some of the best things you saw at that fucking place? You know what's interesting? I miss, I, I have a, like anytime something good happened, I was, I left early. <laughs> Really? I'm definitely that dude. I was like, I was in like a long-term relationship, so I was like on my way home and I'd hear about it. I missed a lot of stuff. Isn't that weird about the girls? Yeah, I yeah. don't, that's why, I, like I try not to fester on that being the reason why I'm not at the comedy it's, store on a yeah. Tuesday, but yeah. it's probably got a lot to do with it. You have more time to hang out when you're single. I mean, yeah. I hang out a lot now. Yeah, oh yeah, so it's back at it. Yeah, it's, back at it. <laughs> that finished off, huh? Yeah. Wait, was that ugly? No, not at all. We're, we're friends. Really? Yeah. How the fuck does that happen? I don't know. I'm a friendly dude. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't blame them for leaving me. <laughs> wow. God, that's magnanimous or <laughs> horrendously self I don't, th- I don't think they're wrong. Yeah, yeah. When I look at it on paper, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> you saw you saw the whole field there for a minute. <laughs> I'm working it out. Me and my therapist are on top of it. You got the therapist going? Yeah. How's that going? good yeah i needed it yeah i needed one yeah yeah what do you like do you know what you're working on do you yeah i do yeah no i know i can i can i can write it down really can you draw a picture of it a thousand times and you want me to do a portrait of my dad (laughs) (laughs) well that i did well that didn't uh that was a difficult time yeah man what happened with that uh my father went hiking and uh a storm can't, like happened upon him quickly and he wasn't able to find his way home and he froze to death and they couldn't find him that's it's just horrendous was he a, was it an avid hiker type of guy he's the kind of an outdoorsy guy and because that went on for like months right yeah it took a while to find him yeah i'm sorry man yeah it was a it's a rough time yeah it was a bad uh it was all bad it yeah was, you know, it was all there's no uh there's no silver lining is, it, to that. is your mom still around yeah yeah my mom and stepmom are still around. Yeah, and and like when you talk about, but you were okay with your dad at that time, right? My dad was a great dude. Yeah, he so was, uh, so most of the stuff you're working on is grief. Yeah, how to how to not let it turn into rage. Right. Yeah. Right. The the elements that, that <laughs> conspired against you. Yeah. Yeah. How's everybody else dealing with it? Yeah, it's all bad, man. <laughs> it's a not. It's no good. Your dad freezes to death under a rock. It's not easy to compartmentalize that into something useful. Oh no! <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I know. So, like, but it, like, because my dad is still alive, and he mm-hmm. aggravates me constantly. Yeah. But like, and I like, I I can't imagine what the like 
what is it about that the feelings is just the injustice of it primarily? yeah the un- that's that's what i deal with a lot is the the unfairness i feel towards it and i mean it's not, it was him i had just a succession of things yeah a lot of people i really loved died in succession and it just it's and they were all great people they weren't there wasn't any villains like there was friends no, my that manager i talked about Stu, and then a really uh john hughes like people that were just I loved, I were, you know. John important. Hughes, the director. Yeah, he was a friend of yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they just. Uh, I mean, and after I mean after my dad passed away, John just called me up and was like, "There's some things you're not going to know that you would ask your dad, and you can call me and just ask me those things." Wow. Yeah. Did you do that? Yeah, I needed to plant a tree. I didn't know what kind. He knows a lot about indigenous trees and what kind you should plant. Just like ha- home renovation stuff. Really, like, man, shit. Yeah. Best guy ever. What, how'd you uh, develop that relationship? He, um, the first movie I was ever in, he produced. His son wrote, and uh, we, me, him, and his son became really good friends and had a book company together for a little while. A book company? We did uh, illustrated short stories. Oh, that really? Yeah, it was okay. called Broken Wrist Project. And did they? Are they out there in the world? I mean, they were. I they, we don't do it anymore, but we they're did. still available. Or I have them. <laughs> <laughs> I got a bunch. So John Hughes was just your your buddy. Yeah. Oh man! I I mean that's one of those things I'll never really understand how I was that lucky. Yeah, it was just like I still it was the weirdest. Like when your cell phone lights up and it says John Hughes was weird as hell. Yeah, or like an email because you what you grew up we grew up with his movies. Yeah, I mean just just getting getting to go to Illinois on a plane. I was like, what the hell am I doing here? It was like that, and he was just like, it, like whatever you want him to be, he's that times but way way more also. But like what, I'm trying to remember that like the. His big movies were, was it The Breakfast Club? Breakfast Club, um, Sixteen Candles, Ferris Bueller. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, a masterpiece. Yeah. Masterpiece. And I then, can't watch it, it's too sad. It hurts me. Because of him? Just in general. I mean, that, that movie hits you right in the heart of like being a man. Like, I like my wife. My wife likes Like You're like, God damn it! <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> do you have these like man issues? Do you feel like, because like, I went out and bought some wire this morning. I do. I definitely do. I have man issues. But do you think that you're like there was more for your dad to teach you along those lines? Yeah, I definitely feel like there. I feel confused a lot of stuff where I'm like, fuck, I would know. I don't. Who do I ask? All the men. There's not a. No one's left. <laughs> right. And I'm just. I know I'm in the weeds on certain things. Just call Al. Al's pretty. You know, I will tell you <laughs> no shit. When I had to buy a car, you know who went with me? Al Madrill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That dude is as close to my a new father as I have, for sure. For all of us. For I mean, all of us. Yeah, I don't know how. That the... guy's dad gear is so. It's tremendous. I don't know what the hell it is with him. Like, you know, I can't fucking pull it together to get. You know, I have to paint my house. Yeah. You know, and there's a few things well, around. Al's got a guy. No, he's got a guy, but not only that, you go to his house and he's like, you know, he's got two kids mm-hmm. he's got a pretty hot career and yeah. it's like i just planted some trees i'm like what the fuck do you mean you just planted trees i don't get it man and where does he find the time he's like a dad superhero he is mm-hmm. i don't i don't use him enough because he's busy he's in new york a lot so yeah. i don't i mean I, and every time i talk to him i get this weird thing that like not unlike a dad that you know you, you talk to him and you're like you get off the phone you're like i'm a fucking idiot yeah I mean, I, you're like i could I, my ducks could not be less in a row <laughs> My car got the boot yesterday. Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> really? You don't pay your tickets? I got a boot. <laughs> That's just crazy. Well, it went on long enough, and I was getting all these letters. I couldn't organize. I was like, this is just a bunch of serial numbers. I don't, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to wait. I'll get the boot. I'll fix it in a day. And that's exactly what happened. They gave me the boot. I went. Took two hours. My car I paid it all off. They're all gone now. You paid them all in one stop. 
completely worth it. So waiting. that was your plan. Basically, it, just, I, it became my plan. It's too out of control. Yeah. I'm just going to have to wait this out. I can't catch all these bees at once. Yeah, Let's yeah, wait yeah. till they get in the hive and then ask for money. But I'm trying to figure out, like, well, there's certain other things, like, too, like, uh, with me, because my dad was pretty absent, but, like, I had no idea how to buy a house. It oh, all makes dude. me very stressed Luckily, out. before I bought a house, my dad was alive. That was yeah. the last thing he helped, sort of helped me do right before he died. But they, you had problems with the house. Oh, yeah. It fell down as soon as I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> It was the last thing he helped me with. It may have been a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but when you told me that story, I mean, what the fuck happened with that? You, there was all this like L.A. history about Silver Lake that I didn't know. What exactly happened? I bought a house that, by all rights, was probably a hunting shack. And when I went to add on, it was a very small house, and I w- wanted to add Smaller on. Smaller than mine? Yeah. This house was like 900 square feet. So I bought it, and I wanted to add on like a kitchen because the driveway was huge. And when they opened it up, they were like, we can't attach new house to this because it's too flimsy. If there's an earthquake, new, the new part will knock the old part over. So they had to tear it down completely. And there was no, like it wasn't a house? It no, was a- it was built. I'm not kidding you. It was one by threes. There was six two by fours in the front of the house, and that was it. It was insulated with posters for like wheat <laughs> I have one. It's like Weedums. <laughs> like a 1950s poster for wheat and like newspaper shoved in the walls. Like this thing was like a no building code Los Angeles special uh-huh. where people were just renovating it at night by themselves <laughs> and it just had to be completely torn down. I had to just build a new house. Did you? Yeah. It's awful. <laughs> just ate all my plans and just crushed it. And yeah. then the problem was my dad wasn't around. To- that was the, you know. To, to like so you could both be disappointed in the choice I was, you made i was in the weeds man yeah <laughs> just standing on a dirt lot going what <laughs> there was a day where just there was like you know four days before there was a house then four days later there was no house and i was like what the fuck happened here man where what is happening i'm just standing in a dirt driveway with a hammer <laughs> being lied to on a daily basis by contractors <laughs> Well, did you have someone design you a house? Yeah, I picked an architect who took who, who designed the house in the wrong place and then had to redesign it, which took an extra two months, cost me a fortune. Got the architect from Al. Oh, yeah? An, <laughs> yeah. Al, an architect? An architect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Oh, so it was just not, because I got some dude, yeah. some fan who's like some arty architect. The thing about these dudes. In general? They're, dude, they're, I mean, look. They were, there's a construction's the only industry you can work in with a lot of felonies. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you're either dealing with a God-fearing immigrant who works his ass off, but you can't talk to because of the language barrier, or a former meth addict who has at least one felony and might be a white supremacist. Yeah. I fired a white supremacist. He showed up to my house to build a house. He showed up in pants. The next day he showed up with an SS tattoo in his cap. I was like, we're good. I yeah, think yeah. I'm going to wait. <laughs> I did that thing where I was like, you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to wait and see what the market does. I just like, get away from me, man. <laughs> I had a guy who was a uh, ex bull rider. <sighs> look, <laughs> they are, they are an interesting group. <laughs> you get great stories. Yeah. There was a dude that worked on my house named Vinko. Yeah. Eastern European dude. I think yeah. he was Romanian. Yeah. And uh, the guy was, like, the lead contractor guy was telling me, he's like, oh, I was joking about, I was like, what do we do if someone comes in and tries to steal shit? Because one night I was in the garage painting and a guy, like, a guy came into the framing of the house and was trying to scavenge for stuff to steal. Like copper wire and shit? Or? I think he was trying to steal hammers and me and him had to have, like, a, we had a confrontation. Who, uh, you knew the guy? The guy no, who, no, no, it was, like, a neighborhood dude. Oh, he just was It was, like, to... 10 at night and I, I saw a flashlight in the framing of the house that was being built. I was in the garage working because I was painting in there. And I see a flashlight, and I know this isn't good. Yeah. So I have a, it's not a, it wasn't a hammer, it was like a pickaxe. Yeah. And I go in there, and I, I'm like, all right, you need to yell at this guy. <laughs> so I'm like, 
what the fuck are you doing? And I yell at him. And Did it come out that awkward? Yeah. Okay. It was, there was no way it was threatening on any level. It was just loud. It, probably, it sounded like a loud screech of fear. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I'm like, what the fuck? And I yell at him, and I get in there, and I look, and he's basically retarded. Like, head scar retarded. And I like, I'm like, get the fuck out of here. I'm going to hit you in the head. And he goes, go ahead. I don't care. <laughs> and at that point, I realized you can't hit this dude in the head. You'll get on the news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, just leave. And he lives around the corner. I see him all the time. <laughs> he lives in the back of someone's house. He just scavenges for stuff to like sell at yard sales, I think. Do you see him now? I see him almost every day. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's okay because he was yeah it's cool he seemed problem he, he had a problem yeah, he's not hurting I mean you know he was probably looking for a hammer to sell but like are you happy with the house now yeah I, I mean I'm as happy as I can be knowing what every square inch costs so did you get, look, build a little bigger house yeah uh huh mm-hmm. and because like like I said I've got this fan who's a fancy architect yeah working in a big firm designing like kind of groovy shit yeah and he wants to you know he's been bothering me to have coffee with him because he wants to design me a house but that's a big fucking undertaking isn't dude, it dude don't yeah <laughs> it's awful I will never even approach doing it again because it's bullshit they just lie to you on a daily basis your contractor to your face your contractor yes every well, the, day well the, the one thing I've noticed about contractors is generally almost all of them you're they're they're sort of learning as they go yeah and like you're at some arc in there there's no like there's very few that are like oh yeah I've done everything yeah they, they've done a few things twice yeah and then they kind of fucking wing it yeah and they just kind of eyeball shit if they're great you can't get them they're right. too busy right <laughs> I mean, you, so you're get the ones you can get, especially like a small house, that's not a job any contractor cares about. There's not enough profit margin. Mm. So you're getting, you know. So you're saying don't buy a piece of property and build. Dude, why? <laughs> what, this is zombie apocalypse around the corner. Is it? I don't know, but dude, why? <laughs> you're going to, that system, I don't believe in that system anymore, man. Just get a house that's already existing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got a girl. She just wants to, she keeps bothering me. Okay, and you know what you're going to end up doing? You're going to end up screaming at each other over, over crown molding. Yeah. I have had screaming matches over the dumbest shit. White tile versus white tile. Yeah. I mean, like, copper versus nickel. It's the dumbest shit. Was dude. that the end of the rope with you guys? No, that I mean, I, I mean, look, there was a lot. A lot happened quick. <laughs> yeah. It was just a, it was like a, you know, bad stretch in a uh, row. Uh, we took all some, we could. Yeah. We took all, I was, I was, uh, our relationship was like a piece of driftwood we were both hanging on to it and after a shipwreck. But she, she rode that stuff out with your old man, though. Yeah, man. That That's was, the thing, dude. She hung in there. I mean, while I'm asleep up there, while they're looking for him, she would stay up and do our laundry. So I'd have, I like went up there wearing the clothes, I, you know, so I'd have an outfit to wear the next. Because that went on for like I, you were just you know catatonic almost for like well how long did that that wait huh? I mean, we were up there for ten days while they were just looking, and then it took months. But yeah, I was a ghost for years. Yeah, for years. Yeah. I mean, how many years ago was that already? Five. Wow. But I mean, yeah, I think about it now, especially in terms of stand up and I you know, I was just I was just a ghost up there. But you were doing it. Yeah, I start I mean I didn't I I got back at it right when I Renazizi was like, Are you gonna he called me like when I got home, he's like, You gonna go up? And I was like, Yeah, he goes, Good. Yeah. And I remember the first set back, Al Al in the back of the room. Yeah. You gotta come off stage, he's like, Good man. <laughs> you know, he was there. I don't even he knew to be there. Isn't it weird how we fucking take care of each other sometimes? That's what I, that's, okay, if there's anything about that that I can take that's positive, the group of dudes who descended upon me was pretty amazing. First of all, any dude whose dad was dead. 
yeah. was just like, hey, man, like made eye contact and like, hey, man, you all right? And like knew it and got it. Yeah. You know, I just, guys I didn't know, like Brett Ernst. Yeah. I didn't know his dad was uh, passed away. Guys like that were just like, hey, man, what's up? Like, yeah, I think, yeah. I don't know if I knew Dove Davidoff well at all. Yeah. And you think he hugged me in tears? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just stuff like that. You've realized what a, what certain people are made of yeah. in those situations. And that was, you know, something. Yeah, because I think we get, like, it, it's a weird thing we get this rap as being these weird kind of lonery sort of, you, you know. Nah, but comics like, show up when it matters. Yeah, they're very sensitive dudes and they get it and, you know. and Comic funerals are packed. Yeah, yeah. We show up when it matters because yeah. we are conditioned. I think we have a, we're super sensitive, so we know how bad a thing is so we can gauge why it's important that we be there. Yeah. Al's not dumb. He knew, he knew I was going up for the first time after that happened and. He was there to make sure I was okay. Yeah. How long did it take to get back up there? I went the uh, two days after I got home from them not finding him. Yeah. The oh, first right, Saturday. Right. The first when he first, uh, ten days after he disappeared. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, the first Saturday I was in the OR. Yeah, on some show. level, what are you? What else are you going to do? You know. Thank. I mean, honestly, think I was lucky to have stand up to do. Yeah. You need a distraction because you're to, not going to be able to sit and draw for no reason. No. Yeah. Like you, you can't. Know, that's the thing. You're at home. You, sitting in a room alone for any reason, no matter what you planned on doing, yeah. doesn't go the way you think it's gonna. Because you're just gonna be in grief. Yeah, you're, you're just gonna, gonna fall apart. Yeah. So the stand-up, like, you get out of yourself. Yeah, man. And yeah. to be able to, like, make people laugh was, I can't even gauge how lucky I was to have that. Well, you're also, like, a guy that, like, you know, you've got stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not gonna be, like, like a guy who's gonna go up there and start trying to process your father's disappearance I on stage. I still can't. It's too big of a thing. Yeah, but I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, it's, it's not really not, the type of stuff not, you do. It's not funny. No. <laughs> it's not. Then when I think of the process of it, there was maybe one moment during the whole thing that was a tiny bit funny, but still wasn't. Right, right. What yeah. was that? Like, uh, my brother went up there, Jeff, you know, to, Jeff, where, to where, where we he came up like a couple of days after my dad disappeared. And uh, my brother's, you know, he's not, I wouldn't say he's weird, but he's a little different. Yeah. And uh, one of the, he's adopted, he doesn't look like me, he's Vietnamese. Yeah. So one, at one point, I knew all the search and rescue guys, I was kind of like, not in charge, but kind of in charge. They would come to me with info. And he comes and goes, uh, there's a guy who uh, says he's your brother, and he keeps asking us if he can go on a helicopter ride. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it's, it's okay to tell him no. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was so great. Where 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 did it happen? But like like Big, Big Green Bear Valley Lake, which is basically next to Big Bear. Oh wow, yeah, close. Though I mean, that said, those searching it wasn't their fault. They couldn't find him. No, because a storm came in, right? And that and the cell phone company gave them the wrong coordinates. Oh really? Yeah. So that's how they were able to track him. Yeah, he was trying to. He made a couple calls. Like when he first got lost, he called and told him he's lost. And then you know his phone started dying. It's really spotty service. He mean, but that he would. You could see that he would try to make. You know, he tried to make a call at like one a.m. Didn't work. Mm-hmm. But you could gauge that with the right. cell phone company. Tell you. you know, he tried. I think the last call he made was at like one, and I think he kind of phone died or he, you know, realized so, what was going to happen. He knew a lot about hypothermia. So the cell phone company fucked up. I think so. Is is that where is that a big topic of rage? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. When you when we, we tried to sue them and lost. Oh, you did. Yeah. What company? Uh, Verizon. Yeah. Which I, needless to say, I don't go for Verizon commercial auditions. <laughs> I, that was a relatively uh, easy line to draw with my representatives. <laughs> so there's a there's a, there's your line. Yeah, kill my dad. I'm not helping you sell phones. <laughs> you pieces of shit. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Hope you die screaming. Uh, awful man. Yeah.
like where's where's the comedy at? Are you headlining or what are you doing? I'm not headlining. No? No. Why? I don't know. <laughs> no one's asked. <laughs> Do you have a, like, because I mean, that's the other question about, you know, the kind of career you design for yourself that you've got this, you know, full career in commercials, you're doing bit parts on TV shows and stuff, mm-hmm. and you got a good solid half hour, but you mm-hmm. don't seem to have that, like, you know, I got to get out there. I well, I, I mean, I, I have to stay here a lot to just work. Right. right. That's how I support myself. So it's, I'm not able to go on the road a lot. I, I'm starting to try to do it more now because I feel better about my, like I said, I mean, I wasn't, for a few years after, that happened I, I i wasn't like progressing i was yeah. just doing an act yeah i probably added a few new jokes but i was just like get up on stage again get up on stage again but now i feel better about what i'm doing up there so I, you know i want to get out there yeah show the people some stuff why doesn't al take you he does but he i mean he's doing his as far as like him headlining stuff i think he does a lot of the, like college stuff with like daily show dudes Oh, right. He's yeah. in that rotation. Can't just shove me. <laughs> like, three guys from The Daily Show and this guy. Well, you can go out with me. God damn, man. I've been taking uh, Mike Lawrence out. Let's go, man. You ready? You I'm ready go. to go? I'm fucking ready. Let's see if I can build. You know, no Bill Burr yet. I don't think I'm ever going to be the guy. <laughs> I mean, I'd be like a, You're the guy in your own way. You built your own microcosm. You yeah. built your world. It's yeah. like what we talked about with Coop. You built a world. I love that shit. I love yeah. someone who builds a world. Yeah. Because you get to make the rules in your world. It's very funny the type of people when when you do build a world, yeah. like the people that are my audience, I know that we share something because mm-hmm. they know me very well. Yeah. And it's very weird to see that kind of reflection, to see you in, in all of these people. Because like, I know that my audiences are usually, they tip well, mm-hmm. they're you're relatively smart people, uh-huh. there's not going to be any drunk idiots in the nope. room. Lovely people. They're, yeah. Well, they're, you know, they've got their own issues, as yeah, I do, yeah, but yeah, you're yeah. sitting in a room full of your issues, in a way. You're, I'm not a general comic. Well, we're all trying to be a tuning fork. <laughs> and so you, you, everyone has a different kind. They're like, oh, you, what, you hit something inside me, I'm going to go see that guy on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah, we're going to see what that You're guy talking about to. the thing they almost talked about the day before and didn't? <laughs> Because they were a little, they didn't want to get, they didn't want to yell at the wife. Yeah. <laughs> but they're like, oh, he said it. Yeah. Yeah. He said it. Okay. Yeah. 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 God, I'm concerned I'm going to run out of me, but uh, maybe Nah, me, me is a, is a renewable resource. Is it? Yeah. yeah. With each day? Dude, the thing is, life is such a shit eating contest yeah. that it's all, there's always new things to think about. You're going to buy this land and you're going to try <laughs> to build this goddamn house because you love your girl. She's great. She didn't want that. She just wants a new house. And I just happen to have this weird Italian dude who keeps pestering yeah, me. Yeah, and she's great and you love her, so you're going to do it. I'm going to buy her something. You think I want to buy a house in Los Feliz? I no. want to live in fucking Burbank or Pasadena, but I bought in Los Feliz because that's what she wanted and Grant, she was right. But regardless, that's what I did because I want to make her happy. Yeah. Because we don't know what we're doing and we're afraid of everything <laughs> where you and i are very afraid of dying alone and you found a nice girl and you don't want to lose her god bless you oh no she wants a baby what do you got there huh kevin christie what i you think wait? by the way i think you would be a fantastic dad <sighs> sorry <laughs> give her one I... give her one man <laughs> you don't think that'll give you a fantastic like perspective on the world and life to look through it all, you'll be able to look at life through the eyes of new eyeballs. You seeing stuff. You will see stuff for the first time through that person seeing stuff for the first time. I should just do it, right? It'll change your world. You're yeah. not going to do normal dad material. Are you kidding, man? No. Do it. 
All right. I would do it if I had to scratch, and anyone who would yeah, let what me about put it in her. What if, what, you could find someone to. You, you want to hurt find you just hurt? anyone? How you dare you? <laughs> how dare you say that? How dare you? Could you, did you? How dare you? I'll tell you what. If I if I, I bail out, because I would. Yeah. <laughs> She's a great girl. She's real cute too. So knock it off. All right. Although I don't, I'll never. I don't date anyone who's dated anyone. I know it's weird. You don't? No. Oh my god, I have. That's weird. It, well, it just happens. It's a I know. Small I, world. It's weird. It's not. No, it's not. <laughs> who, who am I following? It's a huge. Yeah, who am I following? How is he? Was he a good opener? Or is he a better closer? <laughs> yeah, because I, I need to know that stuff. I mean, he's good, but he's real physical. <laughs> <laughs> You're more of a heady guy. You're yeah, heady. yeah. I mean, I'm more analytical. <laughs> I don't act out what I'm doing as well. But that fear, I guess, that, I think that's the biggest problem with me is that, like, okay, so I got some things going on now. Mm-hmm. But that could be it for this year, and that could be it for the rest of my life. You know, okay, I stopped thinking that. I used to think that way, especially trying to act as a living. I was like, is this the year I stop? Is this my year of last job? Yeah. But that was 15 years ago. I've managed to fit into some sort of place where I can get just Mm. enough work to not go broke and, you know. I'm thinking about becoming a motivational speaker. Look. There are going to be colleges. You, you, you're going to be like you know, like some emeritus dude. Yeah, yeah, right. You may end up at the Brookings Institute. There's there's places to go, man. That wouldn't be a bad gig, would it? No, I think I th- that's what I think about. Like certain comedians of like I think Chris Rock will be like Cornell West when he's older. I don't know if <laughs> Cornell West actually organically comes out of Chris Rock. That wasn't a knock. No, no. But I mean, I think that like because like I never saw myself as an entertainer. I don't know how you see yourself, but. Cat lady. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of like, you got cats too? I uh, now have a feral cat that lives in my front yard named Tracy. You can't touch it though. No. no. I mean, she, she lets me get closer when I give her food. She stopped hissing. Now she only meows when I bring her the food. Well, that's nice. She's beautiful. But like, like, don't you ever think like, um, all right, so like, I'm almost 50 mm-hmm. and things are going good. Yeah. You know, we'll see what happens with this TV show. Maybe people like it. Maybe we won't. The best, you know, when you're in this business and you know this, the best I can hope to happen is they give me another shot at making some more yeah. and we can make it better. Yeah. Okay. I just got this book. So this is going to be a good year. But then like what, like I've never been a guy, I guess not unlike you where it's like, well, I don't have a plan. Yeah. You know, this all seems to be the right things to be happening. But, but... you're a process-oriented guy, and so am I. Yeah. So just continue the... That's what I realized. I like the process of doing the things more than the aftermath. I don't... Like, I don't... Like, I've always... When people want to come up to you after a set, that's not what I want. I want just the laughs. I want the process of thinking of the jokes, telling them to people. I want the pro- the process of making art, the process of drawing something, the process of writing something... That's that's the best time. And if you look at what if you t- read or, or listen to what artists talk about, that's they all come to the same conclusion. Yeah, they realize that that's the best part. So that's end up what they do. And, and inadvertently, when you like the process, you accidentally make a ton of shit. Right. But for me, that process is like waiting till the last minute and then freaking out, and that's it. That's My car got booted. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I'm obviously not <laughs> ahead of the game. But you figure it out. That's that's your. That's the uh, the colors of the tile that is your tapestry or your your, your mosaic, my yeah, friend. Yeah, yeah. I didn't make that mushroom. Some woman, that's her thing. She's, that's fucking sweet looking. Isn't that great? That is great on several levels. She, she killed it. Yeah, she if gave she, it to me. She found. She got the cat. She yeah. bought the cat at a store. Yeah. And then she decoupaged the balls off this mushroom. Yeah. So, okay, let's, so when you think of like, have you ever done big canvases? Yeah. I'm about to get back into that, actually. 
Yeah. I, I was working on paper for a long, long time because I love paper. Yeah. Paper, I just love, I what, love Like uh, what, with colors, watercolors? Gouache. I, use, I paint primarily in gouache, but I'm going to buy- a Gouache? Some, gouache. What's it's gu- opaque watercolor. It's ah. what the designers used to use in the 40s and 50s to do graphic design. Uh-huh. It dries really flat. I like uh-huh. that. You can work fast. Uh-huh. And, but now I'm going to, I've been working, starting to get back in big things on canvas. You do you really, do your own gessoing? Yeah. You do? Mm-hmm. Do you stretch your own canvas? Uh, no, really I will suck at it. Yeah. When really... I did that in college, that's the, when I was in art school, the stuff I was terrible at was like the, the, the last step, cutting the mat. I cut more things in half on accident. I was the worst. <laughs> I had a wood shop class where you had to make a drawer. I drilled all the way through it. Yeah. It was awful. So you can do some big canvases. Yeah, man. Like abstracts or figurative? What do you Both. Yeah. I love, I love uh, abstraction. I love making abstraction, pa- abstract paintings. I love figurative stuff. Who are your painters? Modern or dead. Well, I mean, either one. I love a uh, dude named Taylor McKimmons. Yeah. Mine's great. Yeah. I love the Clayton Brothers. I love Ed Templeton. I love, uh, there's a abstract dude named Joe Bradley, who I think is brilliant. He's alive? Yep. Uh-huh. He's, dude, all these people are alive. Uh-huh. Artist named Ashley Maycumber. Great. Yeah. There's who, a lot of- Who are your really old guys? Old are you guys. a Rothko guy? You like Rothko? I do like Rothko. Love Rothko. I mean, that guy, yeah. you got, I, Rothko was aiming at some transcendent shit. Deep shit, man. You stand in front of those and you get it. Right. But you see, there's a thing that happens. Uh, you see these other guys painting and you can feel their self-consciousness. I always, I always say that even uh, my whole life, there's been like my invisible dad in my head while I draw, like what your father thinks. That's well drawn. Yeah. Like, oh, right. look, that looks like a genuine lion. Like, yeah. that horse is well made. Like, it's just that conserv- <laughs> really conservative. Yeah. And the greats are just like, they let that go. Yeah. Like, this guy, Joe Bradley, I mean, uh, people would look at his paintings like, oh, he's throwing a bunch of shit around. It's a mess. And it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> well, that's the difference when you stand in front of a piece of art when you know, like, this is finished. There's a million Rothko. Well, yeah. Uh, that's why people ask, they because I don't make, the art I make is not necessarily, like, super... I wouldn't, it's not like super modern, but yeah. how do you know when you're done? Because it's like a little strange. And I'm like, I, I stopped thinking about it. Right. It's like it's done. It, there's a balance to it. There's yeah, a, I stop like... worrying about it or thinking about it or wondering about it. But like, it's you know, you stand in front of an actual Rothko versus a fa- someone who ripped him off, and there you feel the difference. Yeah. There's a difference. That's a good question you asked when you when you said uh, about guitar. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you do what you want to do with it? So you asked me that. Yeah. And I can for the most part. Yeah. And and that, I think that's the difference with any artist of any kind is that when a guy has got his chops together. Yeah. And he does something. He's made a choice. It's not like he's not mimicking anything. Yeah, this is this is done, okay. and I got, and I know what I'm doing. There's a book, Robert Henry, Art Spirit, or something. The uh-huh. economy of means leads to dexterity of will. Huh? That's when you when you have your process down, you can do whatever the hell you want. Right. You you know what you're doing. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's when comics get to that point where they stop being afraid of bombing or they're just, you know, they're mellow up there. Then they, you see people coming up with stuff on stage and it's just right. it's happening. Right. Because they, they're not, they're past all the, the, the early hurdles. Right. I mean, for the first year, I was afraid to take the mic off the stand because I saw David Taylor hit himself in the teeth with it. <laughs> and I was like, please, that it made a really weird noise. <laughs> and I was like, I may hit myself in the teeth. <laughs> Leave it in there. Yeah, leave it Let's in there. Let's not fuck with For anything. For a calendar year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get loose. But then, like, sometimes you get loose and you lose your discipline. There's still a discipline. It's always... That's the thing I realize about trying to be creative. It's all... It's It never changes, necessarily. You just get older. Yeah. But if, you, if you're after it and you care about the process, it's always good. It's always fun if, yeah. you, if you just focus on the right elements of it, Yeah, which is hard. It's not easy to do yeah. that. You, it, life gets in the way a lot. Right. But you just try to give yourself 
you know, a time each day to do what, think and try to do what you're trying to do. I got to do that. Yeah. Right now. John Hughes was four, between 4 and 6 a.m. Really? Get so he got four. up that? Yeah. Because he asked me when I work. I was like, I work like 12 to 4. He's like, I like 4 to 6. So he he's gets like, it's up? quiet. So he's up and he's writing at 4 yeah. to 6. I mean, that dude never, that dude wrote mountains of stuff. Is there still screenplays around that need to be made? Yeah, they won't be, but there's tons of them. Really? Mm-hmm. Why won't they be? Because their family's not interested in having someone else do it. Huh. They'll mess it up. They'll screw it up for sure. Huh. Someone's rewriting one of his scripts right now. Why? Why Why do you see need to be rewritten? Look at his track record and tell, okay, add in a couple cell phones. Yeah. Other than that, leave it the fuck alone. Yeah. Or don't make it. Why? How come they have it? It was, he sold it right before he passed away. Hmm. Well, it was good talking to you, man. You too, dude. So let's, uh, what are you going to do today? I got to go home and finish. I got to make uh, graphics for the top of the board because that's where the joke is going to go. Oh, on the skateboard. Joke's on top, graphic on bottom. So I got to draw. I'm going to draw one of the skate, co- the skate company has this character. I'm going to draw him holding the mic sweating. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're going to see the little joke next to it. All right, Kevin. Thanks, man. Thank you. That's it. That's our show. I hope you enjoyed that, Kevin, uh, with a great story. Talented guy, man. Go check out his comedy. Go check out his artwork. He said he's going to give me uh, some artwork. I like artwork. Thank you for all your emails. Thank you for all your letters. Thank you for all the gifts you send, the vinyl, the books, the the tchotchkes, everything. I love it. I haven't been talking about it a lot because I have been busy, but I do have it in the garage, and as I cleaned my garage, I found a lot of it, and a lot of it's here. Thinking about doing a big art show of just uh, stuff that you guys have sent. I don't know where, where I would do that or who would want that, but I would. I would like to see it all in one place, and you guys deserve it. Very creative people, and I'm glad I inspire that type of creativity in people. Any kind. Painting, writing, uh, ceramics. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Creative people, it's just, the output is amazing, and, and I love it. I love the stuff. Look, if you need anything WTF Pod related, go to WTFPod.com. The link to the EFF will be there for you to uh, educate yourself about the patent troll that threatens podcasting, that threatens the future of podcasting, that threatens free podcasting. What else do I got to say? What else do I have to say? Probably big news on Thursday. So that's something to look forward to. And also, who's on the show Thursday? Oh, Tommy Stinson from The Replacements. So that's it. I'm not going to ramble on too long. Boomer lives! Boomer lives!